We've been looking at the concept of developing an unblemished integrity in a world that's very blemished and tarnished and coming apart. We've looked at various aspects of the battle that we fight every day, and it is a battle. It is tough sometimes when you deal with the fact that there's evil in the world and you have to confront it. You make decisions constantly about how you will handle situations. We have considered how we're to prevail in the battle, not to give up. We may slow down, we may sit down, but we never give up. We know that we're citizen soldiers, wherever we are, we're serving on behalf of the king, and we're not alone doing that. We've recognized that our enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil, and never forget that the greatest enemy, the enemy of death, was conquered on the cross, and we don't have to fear death. When it approaches someone we love, when it comes one day near us, we don't have to fear. We will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We will not walk into it and remain there. Now we're observing the armor, the full armor of God that we're to wear. And last week we considered the belt of truth, how not our truth, but God's truth changes us. And it makes us into truth bearers, people that understand the importance of that. And today we're looking at the breastplate of righteousness. It's not our being right. We're not. We're, we're flawed and we're failed. And many times we'll begin our week and the first thing we'll do is fail. But thankfully it's not our ability, but it's God's ability. Remember, He doesn't, he doesn't call us out because we're qualified he calls us out because we're available. And then he qualifies us with the blood of Jesus and the engrafted Holy Spirit within us. And that makes the difference. Between the truth and, and righteousness, integrity and right living, we struggle with a world that doesn't understand that anymore. We struggle with, with the news that never seems to report anything that's true. Everything's parsed and, and separated. And you never know what they're saying. And politicians that apparently can't hear very well because they never answer the questions they're asked. And yet we know that this world is greatly damaged. And after all, we know that this world one day will be destroyed by fire. That fire will kill away the disease of sin, and cleanse the land so that God can restore what has been broken. But today I want to think about righteousness, this breastplate we're to wear. And I want to think a little bit about the mistake we can make when we enter into this relationship of putting on the whole armor of God. Just remember this, it's deadly to accept self-righteousness in the place of God's righteousness. And many people do that. Some people think they're righteous in their own eyes. They think that they're doing fine. They'll tell you many times, and often I'll talk to someone, I'll ask them, you know, or, you know do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And their answer can be a diverse and sundry things. You never know what will come out of someone's mouth. I've had many people say, well, I live right. They'll say, I try to keep the Ten Commandments. 
I try to follow the golden rule. You see, the Ten Commandments were given not for us to keep. They're not a booklet of laws that that we can keep. They're given to prove that we need a Savior. We needed a Messiah that could die for us because we're not qualified to do that. And our best attempts to do what we should do, we all fail. Our country's in trouble today because of that. We understand what's happening around us. We realize the brokenness in our world. And people are looking for someone that will stand up for truth. The virtue of that righteousness imparted to us from Jesus Christ changes us. By His Spirit, He makes us able to live righteously. Warren Wiersbe put it this way. He said, but our positional righteousness in Christ without practical righteousness in daily life only gives Satan opportunities to attack us. So it's not just possessing what God has done for us, but practicing out daily that righteousness. Sometimes the most righteous thing you can do is to admit to someone you were wrong. And that's sometimes the most difficult thing for a human being to do, is to admit they are flawed. You know, we're told in Isaiah 64 that it says, For all, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy garments, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. A Messiah is needed. A Savior was recognized. People sacrificed, not trying to save themselves, but until that Savior could come. And many times in life we struggle with that. And we're not sure how to meet that or how to be changed by that. You know, I think about people that uh, in the world today, I remember a story I read some years ago. The Missouri legislature had a situation where one of their legislators accepted a $25,000 bribe to vote uh, in the favor of a certain company there that wanted something passed. Well, a little bit later, before the vote came up that day, the other side that didn't want it passed gave him $50,000. It is reported later on when they had the trial of this, this politician that he had given back the $25,000 that he received first and kept the $50,000. And the prosecutor asked him, said, why did you do this? And he said, I'll have you know that I'm too conscientious to take money from both sides. I'll only take it from one side. And he thought he was righteous. That's the righteousness of the world. I've had people say that I'll only steal from people that don't need it. Robin Hood is a myth. I'll remind you, stealing is stealing. And it's not the laws of of this land or any land that you're in that you break that make you a thief. It's what you have in your heart. And you need to be careful about how you explain away your behavior. It only takes one sin to send us to condemnation and destruction. And that's why it's so important for us to be aware of the brokenness in the world that we live in. You know, Proverbs 14, 12 makes it very plain. 
It says, there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. The writer of Judges reminded us that the problem in the world in those days, it said in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. If you begin your day like I do, driving through the three-way stop over on Crescent Hill, you understand very quickly about people who obey the law. There's a rule in Selma here, I believe. It's, it's not a written rule, but it's one that people live by. If the person in front of you shoots through the stop sign, you can too. And to improve, to improve my morning, I just go another way. I've learned to do that. Years ago, a, a, a group of church members, and, and I guess you're the last one, Jim. We used to walk through there. We never walked through the three-way stop. And they started this before I got here. And I'll, I'll never forget ask, asking David Henderson. I said, why don't we go through the three-way stop? And he looked at me and he says, I don't want to drive through there. Who would want to walk through there? We understand that people break laws. They don't understand the importance of obeying the law. They don't understand that, that how you live and what you believe affects every part of your life. You can't take one component of your life and be dishonest and let the rest of it be honest. It will corrupt every part of you. And it will tell the world that you're not somebody that can be trusted. Where's your life going? What are you going to do in life? Albert Einstein put it this way. He said, a ship is always safe in the harbor, but that's not what it's built for. Many Christians stay away from anything that's controversial or anything that's difficult. They avoid any situation where they might be called upon to do something. But then again, that's not what God built us for. I remind you that in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, it was the one who brought back to the master everything that he had given him, and he said, I protected it so nobody would take it. He was considered evil, and he was punished. You see... Preservation is not what we're about. God preserves us and protects us. But we've got to get out into that unknown area of doubt and serve Him and be obedient and follow what the Lord calls for us to do. Many of us don't understand that God has called us and equipped us to do great things. And that's exactly what He expects. We're all struggling today with a situation with one of our very dear loved ones in the church and one that's very close to Jim Creech. I never like to see anybody sick. But some people you look at and you, it breaks your heart. Helen Stewart is in a coma from a brain bleed at Baptist South. She's on a ventilator. And I spent a good part of the morning yesterday with her and with Alfred and their boys. And I looked at her and I kept thinking in my mind, this woman is not a taker, she's a giver. In fact, Kitty will tell you, if she's got a job to do and, and other people turn it down, Helen would always be available for us. I don't know what she put aside, but she, she's always doing something, but she would put aside what she was doing to come and serve in God's house. She loved it. She did it so beautifully. And we hurt when we see somebody sidelined like that. So I'm going to ask you to do something very special between now and when we observe the Lord's Supper. I want you to, in the still moments of this 
time of worship to cry out to Jesus to work on her behalf. She's a servant, and that's so important. Remember this too, only God can make us righteous. Now, what's the meaning of, 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 of righteousness? It means to be made right. It means to be set right in every way. The root, root word here is so powerful because it means to go in the direction of that which is true. God wants us to understand, as the psalmist said in Psalm 50, and the heavens declare His righteousness, for God Himself is judge. He's the only one equipped to be judged. And he will give us the direction we need as we need it if we will seek him out. Now, a, a, lot, of, a lot of folks are like men driving with their family in the summer. And I know that. I've done this before, before I GPS. We won't admit we're lost until we're real lost. What are you grinning for, Jeff? Been there and done that, right? We have a hard time admitting that. God will always set us right. And he won't remind us how far we went off course. He won't rebuke us for what we did in that sin. In fact, it says that our sins are remembered no more by him. Now, I wish I could tell you that your family, friends, you know, and neighbors would forget your sins, but they won't. They'll remember them. But God forgives you and he forgets. What a beautiful gift. Romans 1, 16 through 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Listen to this. For as it is written, and this is an Old Testament quote, but the righteous man shall live by his faith. Meaning God's faithfulness to be there for us. Not by our faith. Our faith wavers, and it weakens, and it stumbles. But God's faithfulness is fixed on us. We can wander far from Him. He always brings us back in love. He always cares. And I'm so thankful that He does that for us, that He never fails us. Right living will protect us just as the breastplate of righteousness will protect you from sin in the world that would seek to attack you. Right living makes a difference in your life. You, if you're going to live right, you're going to have a regular checkup, not like you do with your doctor. Your regular checkup as a Christian is that daily you open God's Word and you have a time with Him. Not just a time to, to talk to Him and tell Him what you think, but a time to listen to Him. When we speak to God, it's called prayer. When God speaks to us, it's called guidance. And God guides us in some amazing ways. He speaks into our heart many times through His Holy Spirit. He speaks through others. He speaks through our circumstances in life, if we're willing to listen. And He will guide us. It's, it's remarkable here when it talks about the breastplate of righteousness. It says, having put on... The breastplate of righteousness. The word there, put, is in the aorist tense. It means it, it's done once and for all. You don't put it on and take it off. You put it on and you keep it on. You live that way. 
lastly, I want you to realize we have the righteousness of God as a result of what Jesus did on the cross. Without his sacrifice, we'd never be where we are today. We would never have the freedoms that we have to function and to serve. We would never have the boldness to speak out about what Jesus has done in our life. We would forget very easily how we've been blessed if he didn't continue to remind us of all that we've been given. Philippians 3.9 is one of my favorite passages. In fact, the third chapter of Philippians has always spoken to me. Paul is going on a soliloquy about how God has changed him and how the things of this world don't matter anymore. He begins by saying, but what things were gained to me, what I've accomplished in life, he said, those I counted lost for Christ. He just cast them away. He said, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but refuse, that I might win Christ. He goes on to say, And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, is derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from a relationship of faith to God. You've got to have that. Jesus placed us in that position of righteousness. We didn't earn it. We never earn it. We do good works as we submit to Him, but we're flawed and we fail. I remember William Barclay in one of his writings in a commentary said, when a man is clothed in righteousness, he is impregnable. Now, I don't know if William Barclay knew they probably hadn't invented Kevlar until after he died, but that's exactly the way I would describe that. Words are no defense against accusations, but a good life is. One time a man accused the great thinker Plato of certain crimes. And Plato said, well then, we must live in such a way as to prove that his accusations are a lie. Watch me as I go forward, because you cannot look back and discern simply. And that's why right living and godly living matters. One of the saddest stories I've ever read was a story that happened with Sir Ernest Shackleton way back in 1908. He was, he was at, in Antarctica, but on the, on the coast near the warmest part, if you, anything's warm in Antarctica. And they decided, he and three companions decided, that they would venture toward the South Pole. They wanted to say they had gone there. And as they set off, they had four ponies, enough rations to keep them, and every sort of device they wanted to go there and to claim that. They trekked for 127 days. All the ponies died. The food was eaten up. The storms absolutely destroyed their chances of anything, and suddenly they realized we're going to die if we don't do something. And they turned and they started back. As they walked back, they got hungrier and hungrier. You know what they did to deal with the hunger? They talked about their favorite meals. They talked about what they'd be eating then if they could, the elaborate feasts they'd been in, and the gourmet delights that their family had prepared on certain occasions. And they said that each waking hour, they'd tell each other stories about that because there was nothing to eat. And for four days, 
all they could do was melt ice and snow and drink it and close their eyes and pray for food. When I read that story, I, I realized that that was much like what was said to us in the Sermon on the Mount. The first thing that's mentioned are the Beatitudes, and in the Beatitudes it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. No doubt they hungered for food. But how do you hunger for righteousness? Do you desire to be made right by Him? Do you, do you want to live that right life before others and, and have them come to you and say, you know, I, I, I admire your life. Tell me what you do. And, and then with that open door and a smile on your face, you say, let me tell you about Jesus and how I met Him. It's not me. It's Him. The world is looking for that. They've watched over the years the celebrities, the movie stars, and the entertainers the musicians, and the pop stars come on the scene, blaringly famous, and then suddenly they disappear. They burn out quickly, and they're gone. There are no role models. There may be heroes that you look at, but even the athletes eventually end up as not being important. I lived for four and a half years, two and a half blocks away from one of my favorite athletes. He's a member of my church, Phil Necro. Phil Necro, if you know his career, was a long career. It was not always stellar, but it was consistent. Phil Necro was probably one of the most studied pictures ever uh, in, in baseball. He, the, the knuckleball he perfected. And people loved him. Some ways his brother Joe Necro out, outpaced him as far as being famous, but Phil Necro was consistent. And when he retired, he retired, and he didn't go out in public a whole lot. And I ran into him one day at, at, at one of his favorite hangouts, and it was an old school bus in Flowery Branch, Georgia, on the side of the train depot there. And a man in there who we called him the Mountain Man. He ran Mountain Man Barbecue. And Phil was in there eating a barbecue sandwich. And I walked in and he said, Preacher, come over and sit with me. And I did. And we began to talk and out of nowhere he said this. He said, you know, you can live your life in the spotlight and feel like that you're the center of the universe. But the reality is, Jesus is there and nobody can replace him. And he said, I had my time in the spotlight. And now... I'm away from it. And he said, I like where I am now. Dear people, serve where you are. Let the breastplate of righteousness equip you to make a difference because you are the change agent that will change this world. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that you, in your acts of grace, give to us time to make choices. Choices to follow you, choices to be obedient, choices to, to make that turn in life away from sin and, and toward righteousness. And Father, right now I ask if there's someone in the, within the sound of my voice in this place or listening by live stream or on the radio and, and they're struggling with a decision, may the decision be the right one even now and that they would follow you. Lord, may we hear you clearly. And may we obey you implicitly.
And I pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.